KYW Original Podcasts. Kristen, let's start out by talking about how you heard about this case. How did you find out about it? So Tim Jimenez did the original report. The, what came into the newsroom is that there was this body that was found in Cobbs Creek. Kristen Johansson is our crime and justice reporter here at KYW News Radio. She was lying face down, beaten, strangled, and, you know, crime scene went out there immediately. I actually, like, remember the chopper shot of the investigators lined up and looking through the creek, and they were obviously sifting for evidence. And then we eventually found out that it was uh, a couple days later, I guess it was, um, 21-year-old Kiara Johnson. Kiara Johnson, just to bring it back to KYW into this newsroom, um, actually went to school in this building, art school. So I'm sure we've all been at the Dunkin' Donuts with her, right? Or or something like it. I remember for me and, and Tim and I were talking about it, Tim Jimenez, who originally reported on this. Just it was a little bit eerie that we may have like run into this, mm-hmm. this girl. And then just like little details you would get about her started to unfold about how wonderful she was, what a free spirit she was. Her friends were holding, you know, vigils outside talking about how wonderful and young and so much potential that she had um, and how she was kind to every single person. And so it was like really a shock for not only the West Philadelphia community where she lived, but also for right here in our neighborhood. I remember Homicide held a press conference about it and, you know, went through the case with us, just how they had nothing. But I had heard inklings about how they're, you know, in courts and stuff like, you know, the homicide detectives and stuff are there. And they're saying, well, we're getting a little bit closer with this one. And then they tracked it down to the defendant here, David Greer. A 22-year-old West Philadelphia man has been arrested and charged with the strangulation of a 21-year-old art student. What it is, John McDevitt has the story. Back in November, the body of Kiara Johnson, a student at Hushing College, was found in the creek near Cobbs Creek Parkway and Spruce Street. After five months of detective work, Captain John Ryan says an acquaintance of Johnson's, David Greer, was arrested and charged with the murder. We observed them on the public transit uh, traveling together, and they were last seen in each other's company. She was last seen alive in his company. Police say Greer has prior contact with law enforcement, one juvenile offense, and a 2016 attempted murder arrest in California, for which he was on parole. John McDevitt, what I mean, he was you? there for attempted murder, and somebody wasn't watching, it sounds like. And he ended up here. And he ended up here in, in Philadelphia. He's charged with murder, robbery, an infliction of serious bodily injury, and then pick, which is possession of an instrument of a crime. He's bounced kind of back and forth between um, Kern Fromhold, the prison down here, um, and then also in Norristown State Hospital, which is the mental facility that they keep um, people they think that have severe mental issues. So he's kind of bounced around there. As for his actual court listings, he's had about three dozen or so court listings. Now, he's he's not usually there. I mean, usually. Sometimes he is, but... It's usually his defense team just kind of making sure that all the loose ends, you could say, is tied up. Mm-hmm. The one, one of the things you, you were talking about, you've, you cover a lot of cases, but something about this when you've been in the courtroom, when his case is being called, something has stuck out to you. David Greer has had so many listings that it turns out that if I'm checking on another case, for whatever reason, David Graham may be in that one. You know, I work in the courthouse, so for me to jump up three floors to just check in on something isn't that big of a deal. But the same face kept showing up, and that was Rustin Johnson. He, sometimes he's waiting three hours. Like, because it's not, there's a list. I mean, there's like 50 defendants. Like, you're taking every homicide case, 
but Rustin's in every single one, and Rustin is Kiara's father. And what drives him? Why is he there every single time, particularly when there's nothing going on? He thinks that by being there, not only is he representing her, but he's also just making sure that the prosecutors see how serious he is as a family member and a victim's family member. It's weird almost because it's like you develop this kind of like, I don't call it a friendship, but like a, like a, you know, like an acquaintanceship or something like a connection with him because you're seeing him in the same spot, you know, his elbows on his knees, like waiting. And I can't imagine the torment probably reliving like my I'm here because my daughter was murdered. I'm here because my daughter was murdered. Like he must play that in his head all the time. He just feels like he needs to be there. Rustin Johnson has spent two years. He sat more than three dozen court proceedings waiting for justice for his daughter. For family members of people who have been murdered, what is it like for them to wind their way through the criminal justice system in Philly? This is KYW In-Depth. I'm Carol McKenzie. My name is Russ Johnson. I'm 55 years old. I'm the father of Kiara Johnson. And you prefer Russ? Russ. Russ. How did you guys meet? How did you and Kristen meet? I know that, I mean, I saw you in room 1105. I know I met your wife. And then you and I just started to, like, see each other all the time in 1105. Yeah. Right. That, that sounds about right. I mean, you, you know, because when I first I started going to those pretrials, I didn't know anybody, and it was all real strange to me. And um, Kristen kind of made herself like the only accessible person. That it was like a connection to what was going on. And you know, she introduced herself and, and told me who she was, and and that was good because it was I didn't know really what was going on. I just kind of felt like I needed to be there. What was that like when you first started showing up? at these hearings, these proceedings. It was kind of mystified. It was, it was like, I couldn't really tell what was going on. You know, you, you don't know when your case is going to get mentioned. You, you don't really know the, the people. And, you, and you're hoping you're in the right place. Trying to figure out who's who. Right, exactly. Let's talk a little bit about your daughter. Sure. Um, can you tell me about her? You know, the thing about my daughter is it, I know it's, it sounds kind of corny but she was really like almost perfect I, she never had any problems with her i think i chastised her once in her whole, whole life you know what i mean she she really listened you know i'm the i'm the youngest of four brothers and i'm used to being around a lot of guys and very um a lot of testosterone in our household so i'm used to being around a lot of hard heads totally not like that she she was just great to be around she was easygoing she was kind of quiet sweet you know, she really gravitated towards like art and music and animals and nature and those kind of things. She's a very peace-loving person. Can you share one of your favorite memories of her? Wow, one of my favorite memories of her. There's just there's just so many. She's just was so sweet. Um, I think uh, I think some of my favorite memories of her would probably be her mother moved to North Carolina when she was about when Kiara was about four years old, and just you know being with her on the road. A lot of times I would leave out late at night to, to beat the traffic from Philly to um, uh, Fayetteville, North Carolina. And, you know, she would just be sleeping in the back of the car. And by the time I, I got to North Carolina, it was just like the sun would be coming up. And she would wake up and, you know, she would be there. And, you know, we would just chit-chat on the way to dropping her off at her mother's house. And it, But there were so many. There were so many great, great times with her. What was it like the day you got the phone call? 
It was um oh well, it, it was tough because it's it's weird because there was a, a like a four year disconnect because I unfortunately I had like a very difficult relationship with her mother. So, you know, for four years I was deal, dealing with and fighting with that kind of a separation, you know what I mean? And and that kind of a loss and distance in a way, losing, you know, my relationship and my connection with her over those years. But um as um Kristen was talking about my, my fiance Pam, Pam was really aggressive and but 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 kind and soft as far as reaching out to my daughter all along, all along, all along. And then finally my daughter responded one day. And um and then she got back into our life. So over the last year of Kiara's life, we were in contact again. And and that was a blessing. The really tough thing, and it makes me wonder what some of these families go through who have like missing people because, you know, for the for the that period of time when she was missing and it was only like maybe a day or two, that was that was so difficult right there. Because it's you got so many question marks, you wonder what's going on and everything. And then um I was at work when I got a call from her mother and her mother was, was so distraught that I couldn't even understand what she was saying, what she was trying to tell me. So, um, her, her son's wife, she got on the phone and actually said what, you know, Kiara was found dead in Cobbs Creek park. So that was different. That was very difficult. I was at work at the time. I just gotten off of work. So I got to hop on the trolley. So I pretty much didn't say anything to anybody, and I just hopped on the trolley and just held that until I got home and, and told Pam. That was that was difficult. That was very difficult. I can't imagine getting that kind of a phone call. Yeah, that's the you know what uh, a friend of mine. He had a situation where his his son was killed some years ago, and uh, the first thing he told me was, "Well, he reached out to me when he heard what happened, and the first thing he told me is he said now." Unfortunately, you're you're part of a club that nobody wants to be in, and and that's so true. Is that's exactly what it's like? The level of pain, you know. I've known other people who've lost a child, mm. and there's nothing worse. There's nothing worse. Like you just said, it's the, there's nothing worse. I, my heart actually felt like it was breaking. I mean, physically, felt like it was like I was having a heart attack. That's how difficult it was. I was got scared. You know, it kind of scared me then. Mm-hmm. So you you learned you know what happened to your daughter. Yes, ma'am. What happened next? What happened next is after going home and everything. It was really about <laughs> calling the people at work and letting them know that I'm not going to be coming to work on Monday. That's probably the first thing I did. And then um, you know it was about kind of reaching out to to loved ones and the people closest to me and let them know what was going on. And that's always difficult too. And um, after that, you know, it was just kind of sitting back and trying to kind of put your life back together. What do I do now? You know, cause she meant so much to me. So it's like, okay. You know, it, it, it changed, it changed everything. At what point did you start going to court and, and how did that, <laughs> how, how did that happen? Why did you start doing that? Well, I think one of the other things that was going on with me right then is the whole thing about who did it. I don't know, maybe it was the father of me, but I pretty much figured that he was the guy that was responsible for this right off the bat. Why did you figure that? Well, about a month and a half before, you know, she had been killed, you know, I was um, on a, the 11 trolley going home. And all of a sudden I look up and I see my daughter, you know, 
yeah, I see Kiara with this guy. And so um, so when I see her on the trolley with this guy, I'm like, you know, my daughter's gay. What's she doing, you know, like, kind of like cuddling up to this guy? And, and who is this guy? And who is this guy? So before I had a chance to kind of talk to him, you know what I mean, they got off the trolley. So I, I, um, I still got the, the, um, the inbox message that I sent her and uh, asking, you know, who, who's this fella? Because she seemed like she was very, very um, happy with him. And uh, she just said, oh, well, that's Buddy Boy or, or something like that. You know what I mean? So I said, okay, well, my, my daughter's seeing guys now. Right. <laughs> you know. But that was David Greer? That was David Greer. That was him. So you didn't meet him? You just saw him? I didn't mean I just saw him. But, you know, it's like I, I just knew it. You know, um, I went over later on when she was missing. And I went over to my um, ex-wife's house. You know, they were talking about David Greer. And I was like, is this the guy? And I just showed him a picture of that because I know they, they have been communicating on Facebook. She said, yeah, that's him. I said, okay, you know. So, you know, we all kind of figured that, you know, he had had something that probably had something to do with this right off the bat. When did you start then? Do you remember your first time in court? What was going on? Why you were there? Yeah, I, I remember it. I mean, it's the, pre- the preliminary hearing. The, yeah, the pre-trials and all that stuff. Um, You know, one of the things that kind of bothers me about the whole district attorney's office, and I, and I think um, Sidney Pope's been great with me, but as far as the way the, the whole district attorney's office operates, they tell you stuff like, uh, you don't have to be there. We'll, we'll call you when the trial comes up. You don't have to be there. And, they, and it's, like this, it's like they mystify everything. And I said, well, you know what? I'm going to go to these things anyway. And, and I started going to them. You know what I mean? And I'm glad I did because, you know, the, the question marks and the not knowing is what's really difficult. And then so you just started going. Yep. You've been going. I mean, how many times have you been in court? You probably could tell that. I don't know. <laughs> three dozen, quite, I said. Three dozen. Uh, quite, quite, quite a few. Quite, quite a few. Quite a few. And how, uh, long uh, have you, since, how long have you sat in, like, one court listing? Oh, probably about three hours. Yeah, yeah. right, yeah. yeah. So you're sitting there for three hours. What's happening? I'm sitting there listening to everybody else's cases, pretty much. And then what happens when your daughter's case comes up? Oh, they, they talk about it, and sometimes it's, um, it's involved and it's interesting, and sometimes it's kind of like, Kind of, you know, a quick uh, antidote and they're, they're gone. You know, some of these, sometimes you're in court and basically pretty much nothing happens. Right. But are there moments where you've been in court where you've learned something, something that's made you sit up or go, wow? Well, right off the top of my head, there's probably a, a number of them, but right off the top of my head right now, um, I think one of the things that kind of stands out to me was I didn't realize that the prosecution had to kind of assist the defense as, as much as they do and like as far as providing evidence and you know making sure they, they know what they're going to be talking about and that that sort of thing it seems like a lot of attention goes into that part of it is it hard to sit there and listen to that um i think i, I got angry about a lot of things early on um I, I, the, the, I think the most difficult thing is 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 seeing you know his family there and and they're trying to defend him when we all know that this guy is guilty of murdering my daughter. And I'm sitting right across the, you know, and, and it's funny too because after <laughs> after the first couple um times of seeing him down there, I didn't see them anymore. I think they didn't like the way I was looking at him. You know what I mean? All right. So here's the thing. This isn't a story about the guilt or innocence of David Greer. It's about the impact of the case on this one man. But for the record. Greer's attorney argues there's not enough evidence to prove that he's even stepped foot inside the park, let alone killed Kiara Johnson. 
Why do you keep going? I, I want justice for my daughter. Because at this point, that's all I can have. And, and, and I think that's what we all need. And that's, and that's definitely what we all want. And I feel as though that, you know, if I'm there and if I'm seen and if people know that I'm there, it, I'm, I'm, we're going to get more more attention and, and, and more focused. Uh, at the, the, another difficult, another interesting thing is how, how people have kind of just disappeared. You know, it wasn't a whole lot of people to begin with, as, you know, as far as like the family is concerned. I'm, most of the time, I'm the only one there, particularly recently. It's just me. Like the last time when I went, it was just me. It's just me. That's it. And I'm, I'm cool with that. Why do you think that's so? Because it's difficult. You know, it'd be, it'd, a lot of people don't like hard stuff, difficult things, you know, but, but those are sometimes that's necessary. You know? I don't know if I could sit through that. Yeah. If it were my daughter, I really don't know that I could sit through that. Well, I, I, I might not have said the same thing before this happened, you know what I mean, to be honest with you. But, you know, it's, it's one of those situations when you're when you're dealing with it, you know, your your, your viewpoints tend to change on when, when it comes to some things. I mean, it sounds like, I guess, like you're fighting for her. You feel like you're... Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm fighting for... I'm fighting... I'm doing everything I can do within my power and within my knowledge to, to have justice for my daughter. That's it. What does justice look like for you? Justice looks like David Greer being behind bars for the rest of his life and never allowed on the streets again. He doesn't deserve to be on the streets. And, and I think he's proven that twice, unfortunately, because... We have the incident back in out in California, and the fact that he walked from that and got a chance to come to Philly and, and do this—big mistake. You've seen him in court since? No, I haven't seen him. Oh, in you court. haven't? No, okay, I haven't seen him in court since. You tell me I'm gonna get a chance to talk to him. Though I'm look kind of looking forward to that. What do you think you're gonna say to him? I'm not. You know, I'm just gonna let him know what what this all means to me. And actually, that's that's part of the um, is a form that I've, I've had to fill out. Um, the DA office sent me, and I forget the name of it right now. But um, you know, I kind of prepared something to say. So, are you at this point? You know, you're a year and a half into this. You're three dozen. So, what are you thinking right now with just the time that it's taken to to not even? You know, you haven't even gone to trial. He hasn't even gone to trial yet. Well, I'll tell you what. A lot of people ask me that question. That's that's a wonderful question. But um. It's real simple and it's easy for me because as long as he's behind bars, I'm good. Uh, it could take forever, you know, um, as long as he's locked up, that's good. What are your thoughts about the possibility that he could use an insanity defense? Oh, well, he he could do that, you know, and that's, that's fine, you know. But again, as, as long as if, if that meant him spending the rest of his life in a mental hospital, that's that's fine. I mean, I don't think that's justice, but, I, you know, because the thing is, my, my big thing is that, you know, he shouldn't be allowed on the streets to do this again. You know what I mean? So that's the main, that's my, my, the worst way I look at it. Yep. Thank you so much for coming in to talk with us today. Thank you for having me. Appreciate that. Yeah. I, um, I admire your, your fortitude, you know, the strength you have in, in showing up month after month after month. You know, I try and, um, you know, it's, a lot of it's, you know, spiritual and, you know, I, I can't take credit for everything. I've I've had a lot of good people around me and I had a great therapist, a really good therapist that was appointed by the city. And, um, you know, I'm, I feel fortunate. I, you know, I, I feel I feel blessed in a lot of ways considering.
We mentioned that, and I'm curious. Do you feel her with you? Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, she comes to me in dreams a lot. <laughs> yeah. Here's what else we're tracking on KYW News Radio. Connor Barwin was a fan favorite during his four years as a Philadelphia Eagle. Well, since then, he has retired, moved to Philly full time, and spends his time helping to build parks in the city. We sat down with him for the KYW original podcast, One on One with Matt Leon. You can check out the episode wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're looking for ways to get into the holiday spirit in our area, check out the KYW to do list. It's on KYWnewsradio.com. Two of the best on this week's list, The Nutcracker, opens at the Academy of Music. It runs through the end of the year. And on Saturday, it's Christmas in Kutztown. If you're looking for something a little more grotesque, the Mütter Museum is hosting a unique holiday market on Sunday. Kristen Johansson is KYW's crime and justice reporter. Thanks to Kristen for all the help she gave to us this week. KYW In-Depth is produced by Charlotte Reese. Our production coordinator is Ali Amato. Tom Rickert is our executive producer. I'm Carol McKenzie. Make sure to subscribe to KYW In-Depth and help us get the word out by leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. We'll talk again next week.